0: I was recently asked if it even matters to be gray during a time of crisis, as right now we have a worldwide crisis, as some people call it, in the existing pandemic. Does it matter? Does it help me? What can I learn from this? What ideas do you have? Who even would care? And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Does it even matter to be gray? Or what can be done or learned from the world of a professional gray man to help you in time of crisis? Right here on Gray Man Hiding in Plain Sight. This is the Gray Man Podcast, Episode 9, Being Gray in a Time of Crisis. In this episode, we're going to take a look at what it's like being a gray man living abroad, especially in a third world country or anywhere there is a threat or a danger like an existing war zone, and how that translates to everyday life here and protecting yourself. While some of this might sound like prepping advice, and I suppose perhaps some of it is, it's to understand that there are people out there that have actually lived in these situations, whether temporarily or long-term, where there was an ongoing and existing threat beyond that of somebody discovering what you were doing or trying to spy on you and your mission. To give you an example, there was a time where part of my cover status was to be part of a medical organization that could move freely throughout the public, That was done for two reasons. One, it was because there was an ongoing medical situation not unlike what we're experiencing now in some parts of the world with the coronavirus, but also to give me access to medical supplies that I might need not only for my own personal safety, but for what my mission entailed. Why might this be important to you? Well, whether or not you're prepped with these types of supplies, a simple example was having access to nitrile gloves, the medical gloves that doctors use, which come in varying thicknesses for varying reasons. It was so that I could wear them regularly and fairly commonly out in public without looking out of place based on my manner of dress for what I was doing. This was so I could interact with the public and touch and do things in a safe way where hand sanitizer wasn't all that plentiful, let alone good soaps. Now, if you're wondering how this helps you, just think about this. In a place like I was or in some third world countries, you're under constant threat beyond that of somebody just following you or detecting you. So if you're in a war zone, there's just a threat of the ongoing war, insurgencies, militias, terrorist organizations, attacks that may happen, and that's a security threat that has to be planned for and mitigated. In other places, whether or not the war zone type stuff's going on is ongoing medical things. Imagine somebody working in a place where there was an Ebola outbreak and the threat they would have to deal with there medically or some of these other disease outbreaks we've had such as SARS or MERS or other situations. How does that translate to you today? If you have medical gloves, they actually could help you greatly. So example would be you go to get gas. Do you think about the fact that how many people are touching that gas pump and viruses could live on surfaces sometimes for days? So a simple thing you could do is pull up to the gas pump, throw on your gloves, get out, get your gas. When you're done with getting your gas, dispose of the gloves, and then still wipe with your hand sanitizer. But even if you do that, are you thinking about the debit card you used? Because it touched that stuff. So if you're doing that, you'd want to wipe down that debit card with the hand sanitizer as well. That's just a suggestion. But I don't know how much people are thinking about these types of things. But this is what it was like in my situation. Everything I touched, I did so with the gloves on to ensure I didn't potentially catch anything. Because if I did, I was the only person in the area, and that was a lost intelligence asset. The other thing was anything I used that I kept with me, using the credit card as an example to gas pump, I also sanitize that later because part of the threat when you travel abroad or you work in a gray man at any capacity, even only for a few hours, is any medical situation in your physical health. The reason for this is there are places that have outbreaks and disease and things you may not have heard of that don't even exist in the Western world. One of the things I never considered when I was in the Middle East while serving with the military was there is a situation we're in which involves combat type situations and injured people and there was locals that we assisted and treated medically and we got some of their blood some of their fluids on us which we found out put us in a lockdown situation temporarily to get our blood tested because we didn't consider the fact nor were we ever briefed on the possibility that getting a local's blood on us could result in things like hepatitis or HIV. Now while it may seem insignificant or hard and it really depends on your own desires and your own goals about being gray hiding in plain sight going unnoticed To some people, it seems hard right now, but it's actually a lot easier. One example we have going on right now is it seems like it's Black Friday in every toilet paper aisle around the country, as well as trying to buy hand sanitizer online. Now, while going with the flow might seem like acting crazy as well or getting an argument with somebody which is never recommended because you're drawing attention to yourself, one thing I do when I interact with the public even now is to kind of pull the audience, kind of sense the surroundings. I talk to people when I hear conversations because people are talking about isolation, quarantine, and the virus spreading. I use that to get a sense of how much information is being spread, what information are people believing or seeing or reading, or what do they not even know at all? Are they completely oblivious? And I've run into all three of those as well as wild conspiracy theories. This is part of what I did when I collected intelligence. A big part of any mission, especially when a military is on the ground and they're either a new portion of the military in a place the military has been, or it's the first time there is they kind of pull the audience. They go out and get the idea and feeling for what everybody's thinking and doing. Where are they getting their information? What do they believe? And this type of information tells them a lot about how the local people view their existing government, our military being there, coalition forces. You find out what do they really need? What do they really want? And it's a lot easier to do when you send somebody there that's working more in a covert or clandestine status as Anybody in uniform shows up, they're going to tell you they want everything and they were promised all this stuff. I translated that to just find out stuff about people locally. So one example was I was in the deli section of a grocery store picking up some bread and they have, of course, the guy there that cuts up the lunch meat and the cheeses and that was shut down. And this lady that was there was surprised and didn't understand and they just said those are the rules right now and she thought the machine was broken and they explained to her with the virus and stuff. They didn't want people like that interacting with the public, potentially transmitting anything that could then be contaminating the food. Of course, she thought that was dumb and then I just went ahead and agreed with her and said, yeah, I don't get it either and I was trying to start a conversation with her, which led into her explaining that it was just a common cold she hasn't watched the news much, doesn't know why everybody's freaking out. It's not like a lot of people are getting sick. It's not like it's killing people. She even said it's not like it's a worldwide thing. And that told me right away that she isn't watching the news at all or even aware of what's going on. The conversation led into her focus was she was a military spouse whose husband was currently deployed and she's home with her kids and they're on spring break. And they're talking about i not going back to school and she doesn't understand it. and She has all this stress. Now, how does that help me out as an individual? It reminds me that there are people around that don't really have a lot of current information, and they also have a lot of beliefs and things that they decide on their own, whether they realize it or not, based on what limited information that they have. If you're wondering how does this help you, depending on how much interaction you have with the public, which may only be a small circle of people at work or friends, you can get an idea, a sense of where people are at in that part of the community, whether it's a Idea of a community that's just people you know, or whether it's an actual community like people at the grocery store, people in a specific neighborhood, people of specific races or ethnicities, which does matter because there are Asian Americans being profiled and suffering and being treated badly because the virus came from China. There's also how do people believe? What are they going to react? What do they care about? Are they getting crazy at the store? Are they not? As an intelligence officer this sort of information in a situation like this gives me a lot of variables to look at for example what places should i avoid and which places should i frequent if i need some sort of resupply which in this case might just be groceries it helps me profile people towns cities neighborhoods information that's coming out where are they getting it from what are they trusting the most how is this portion of the population potentially going to react as things either escalate or de-escalate Versus another portion of the population. Now, initially, I just did this when it came to military forces coming into an area. Go out and profile exactly how people reacting to that. You just replace that with a virus and you have the same thing here at home. Another thing this helps you do is a little gut check on yourself for your own biases and beliefs when you're trying to remain objective. You can actually find a lot of this information just like polling the community on social media. Depending on the groups you follow, social media you're into types of social activities you're in. You also find a lot of information you can sift through and sort through to identify how are those groups of people reacting to this situation. What it does for you in challenging your own biases is to let you look at that objectively and say, is this person behaving rationally or is their information solid? Is this mostly based on information they're receiving or beliefs they already have? And it helps you check yourself to make sure that you don't react based on your own beliefs or biases in any type of situation. Why is this important? Well, things like biases and beliefs can be so strongly held that when we have information coming, we actually, with our own egos and human nature, will hold onto those and even fight them no matter how much logic and information is put in front of us because it's almost an insult on our intelligence that we could possibly be wrong. And if you're being honest with yourself, you could at least see times in your life that you've probably done it because most of us in the Western world do it, especially in America. So if we can control those outcomes... It can affect our ability to respond in any sort of emergency or extended or escalated crisis. Simple example, the best trained soldiers in the world and the top military elite units around the world and other types of similar assets, through studies they have shown that in the middle of a gunfight, they only track about 30-35% of what's going on. And people that really look at it and have a lot of different people tell them what happened in the situation, find out your average military member doesn't even come close to that. Big part of that is the chaos, the adrenaline. There's also the training that kicks in. There's all these moving pieces, all these things you need to do, and you can't track all of it. So, the more training and knowledge you have, the more confidence you have in yourself, the more you can rely on the people around you and not freak out of the situation. You can help keep your own biases you and keep your own emotions under control, it may even slow the tide of adrenaline potentially if you're prepared for that type of situation. This gives you the ability to use your mind more easily, to think more freely, to react appropriately and work through the steps in processing any situation in order to react without causing more chaos or fear. You take that same situation from a gunfight and translate it to now. The more you can control those thoughts and desires and ideas and what's this, what's that, what do I know, the more you can learn and keep that in check. If you're in an area where the spread escalates or a family member gets sick, Maybe you get put into isolation or quarantine. Perhaps it gets in an area so bad that areas are shut off, monitored, and controlled by law enforcement. Or perhaps it even goes beyond that. The more you're prepared for that possibility, understand how it works, realize all this information, the less likely it is you are to have an emotional reaction, which will, the longer it's in place, make it more difficult for you to think logically and react appropriately without freaking out or causing a problem. Now, this isn't just about the situation, but this is how being great works. It's being able to react in a situation where nobody thinks or realizes that you're freaking out about it. So in a previous podcast, I talked about the fact of being great in your appearance. If a family member died today, nobody should know anything bad happened to you based on your action. If you won hundreds of millions of dollars in the lotteries, nobody should know based on how you behave and how you react. This is important because it doesn't draw attention to us. We don't get caught up in the hysteria and we don't add to any existing chaos or threat. The saying goes, a person smart, people are dumb. One of the things we used to say in the military was private acts like a private. They're typically young kids. They think they know everything. They think how the rules work. They talk all kinds of crap about people and they do all this dumb stuff, whether they're a good soldier or a bad soldier. Then you take this professional soldier of higher rank, senior NCO, perhaps a Feel great, officer, there's certain beliefs about that, that they will behave and act a certain way because of how much they're paid and how long they've been around. There's some truth to both of those, but generally the ideas are ludicrous. But the problem is, let's say it is true, and sometimes you even get soldiers, say non-commissioned officers, that tend to act and behave a certain way around work. They set the example, they enforce discipline, they don't get all crazy and stupid. But you put a bunch of those guys in the room or send them to a school together, they all turn into privates. That's the problem with mass hysteria and panic. Everybody involved tends to be part of the situation or eventually add to it. And even if they're not trying to add to it and they're just observing, it's actually fueling the other bad actors there. So the best thing to do is avoid those situations and evacuate. It's the same idea as going to a baseball game and leaving in the eighth inning because it's pretty much over and you want to avoid traffic. How does this matter to you? It's simple. If there's things going on in your area that is some sort of hysteria or panic or mass groups of people like at the grocery store, If you don't need to go to the grocery store, but you got nothing better to do, profile the store for a day, just a day, if you can. This might be boring and not everybody's going to do it, but I've done similar things like this where I've gone to locations like that, like a store, and I've gone there multiple times a day in the parking lot or just watched YouTube on my phone and kept track of busy times and when people are, what the pattern is, what's the baseline of that location to figure out when are the low population densities so that I can go in and do what I need to do. Now, why that's preaching more about safety of the situation now, that is part of what a gray man does when he's going to use any location. So even when I was out where I had locations where I'd meet one person and I was going to do that one time or perhaps repeatedly, I would surveil and profile the baseline of that location. And the thing is, if I was pretty happy with it but I hadn't used it yet, I would make regular checks on it to figure out has the baseline changed. Our current local events, like a sporting event, just the calendar being a holiday religious festival, or a thing like a pandemic, how are they changing the baseline of that facility that I need to use? And I do that so I could profile when the best times, safest times are that I could be there. Another thing to consider is about how a spy or somebody that recruits people to commit espionage, how they collect intelligence and profile their information. So on the Gray Man Show where we talked about all the Chinese spies in the colleges, I talked about PIRs at a local commander's level in the military, all the way up to national ACRs. The type of information's out there, how they want it, what they want, how many possible questions there are, which you should go back and listen to again, or if you haven't listened to before to kind of get this analogy. We would do the same thing with information. Whatever it was, what we're being told or what we're after, it always gets funneled down from the macro to the micro and figuring out exactly what affects your piece of the pie and what affects your piece of the mission. So when the military goes overseas to fight Bob the terrorist in a random country, if you're in the military, sure, that could affect you. You might deploy. And then maybe time comes for you to deploy. And you hear about all these bad guys doing bad things and the military's doing this or whatever. But at the end of the day, what really affects you is what's going on in your AO, in your local area that is affecting you and your unit and what you're interacting with every day. All the other information is important and can factor into ongoing events or future events in your area. But the focus is what is my mission now? To translate that, if you're following a crisis like this pandemic, you have to look at what really affects your life. So if you're hearing about countries quarantining themselves off from the rest of the world or borders getting shut down, we have places in this country where cities are somewhat on lockdown and things are escalating in different areas because of either the ongoing situation or people acting proactively early. What really affects you? So if you live in a small town like I do in the Southwest, Where none of this is happening, there's information out there like me that I look at like, hey, San Francisco gets locked down. Military's helping over here. President says this and we're going to buy more equipment. That's nice information to have, but it doesn't affect my life. What affects my life is the outbreak locally. What's happening here locally? What services and facilities can I not use or do I need to change my schedule for whether convenience or inconvenience in order to access when I need to access them? What about my life needs to change in this situation? So when you see all this stuff happening and you see all these things on social media, and this is no different than when people gather intelligence from all different sources, some of it is wildly crazy and some of it's very accurate. You have to sift through all that stuff. And the first step is, what really affects you? Examples 15, 20 years ago, sources used to come in to get a paycheck to talk to intelligence officers because they knew where Osama bin Laden was. And they'd say he was in Afghanistan. Nobody was getting paid for that information. We knew that. It didn't affect our lives. But when they came in and said, this guy, Bob the Terrorist, here's his name and where he lives, works for this organization and makes bombs. And I know he's building one in his house right now and I'll show you where it is. That affected our immediate life. And therefore we went and followed that information to determine through veracity, is it true? Is it accurate? How are we going to act and respond to it? That's the same thing with information you get during a crisis locally, whether it's a pandemic or a hurricane. First of all, What information really affects you? What do you need to sift through and what do you need to ignore? And then how do you plan for, prepare, and react to it? Something else to look to is your access to financial support. When a professional gray man lives abroad working for a parent agency where he's on his own, he or she is on their own for long term, they have to have certain types of funds available. They usually have multiple denominations from multiple countries and sources and locations. They store these things well beyond what any average person would do. This is something I always encourage people to do, whether they're a prepper or they're just concerned about an emergency is having access to multiple income streams as well as multiple ways to spend money. But most of us actually do. And it can be hard, though, because some people live paycheck to paycheck, whether it's large family in a high cost living area or it's a low cost living area. They don't have a large family, but they don't have a job that pays very well. So this type of advice really varies from person to person. The idea, though, is to get to the point to where you have access to multiple ways to spend money when you need it to buy supplies, typically being things like groceries in this situation, or if you have to evacuate an area, being able to stay in hotels. So a lot of us have checks or debit cards, and that really depends on how much money's in that account. The other thing is, while it's never a good idea, and I'm not a financial advisor, I'll just say, do you know how to pull money out of an investment retirement account if you were to need it in an emergency, which should be a last case scenario. Do you have a credit card that you don't use that's an emerging credit card even if it's only a few hundred dollars? That can be a lifesaver. Do you have prepaid Visa or MasterCards that you can get? And do you have cash? Part of the panic that we've seen in some places in the last week was a run on some local banks where they run out of $100 bills because people were getting cash. It always amazes me too because while I know people that live by cash like I do, a lot of people just don't because plastic's easier and they don't want to lose the cash. Not thinking about the fact that if they lost their credit card, they're probably going to lose more in the wrong run. All of a sudden, they realized cash is king, so they wanted to get it. So I always recommend people have some cash available, at least a few hundred dollars if you're able to do that. If you were in a position to have all these items, you'd have multiple forms of money to spend, whether it's a debit card for existing funds, a credit card, a prepaid debit card, or cash. And those can matter in different situations. So I'm trying my best not to be another guy giving advice on what to do in this situation. There's plenty of good and bad advice out there to sift through. But I thought I would take the opportunity to point a few things out that you may or may not think of that actually do translate to the lifestyle of being a gray man that can help you out and be safe and move freely and not worry about too many situations. The biggest thing is people in the intelligence world thrive off information. That's what they live off of because their job is to get information. And while there's a ton of information floating around about the virus and numbers and statistics, it's no different than trying to watch the stats or metrics on anything you have in order to see if it's getting worse and it can be exhausting and overwhelm you. So try to focus on the information locally that affects your life. Where can I go? When can I go? When are the best times to be there? What can I do? What is safe? Where can I travel and when? Look for the information that's really going to directly affect your life every day. And try to just very loosely sift through with a grain of salt the bigger pieces of information that aren't yet affecting you in your area. Those bigger pieces of information are, of course, important to follow just to see if there's any patterns developing or if something's geographically moving closer to you. But don't stress over those things. Look for what affects your mission every day and whatever your mission is, whether it's raising children, going to work, being involved in a community event, or just getting by. I know this was a short one and I promised uh detecting deception again so maybe i'll do that next time but i thought this was necessary today considering some of the ongoing changes that have happened and then saturday we'll move on to another gray man topic i look forward to giving you some more gray man information in the future remember as always if you like this please share it with people you think would enjoy it give her a thumbs up or a heart on the platform you're on you can subscribe on multiple platforms those are listed of course on the anchor app but they include places such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and a few others. Also, if you use Twitter or Facebook, look up Grayman Concepts. You'll find the same Sybil you see on this podcast, and you'll know it's me. We put out information almost daily, with the exception of Sundays. And there's some more news and information and Grayman tips and techniques that you can find there. Also, pay attention as soon I'll be releasing a reading list that I'm going to publish on Facebook and a link on Twitter or books on various subjects that relate to the gray man lifestyle, including intelligence collection, hiding in plain sight, maybe some more fun stuff about old things that used to happen in the intelligence world, as well as just general books on persuasion, influence, and even interrogation, negotiation, and interviewing. Thanks for listening, and we'll have another show for you in a few days.